Hello, everyone, and welcome to the eighth ever episode of the Movie Hunters podcast. Today, we're talking Deepwater Horizon, Captain America, the first Avenger, and Captain Marvel. I'm one of your hosts, Jason Hunter. I'm your second host, Noah Hunter. And it's time to go movie hunting. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Movie Hunters Podcast, the podcast where two movie-loving brothers get together and talk movies, TV, all things cinema, really. How's it going, Noah? It's going good. We're approaching double-digit numbers. Double digits. We're approaching it, I guess. A couple more weeks, we will hit the big number 10. We're going to do, do a thank you to all of our, all of our listeners. The 10th episode uh, <laughs> special. We'll do a big celebration by uh, talking about movies. Mm-hmm. So, should we get right into it? We have a jam-packed, jam-packed cast for you this week, huh? Jam-packed cast? Yeah, cast. What do you mean? Podcast. <laughs> oh, I was like, are we having special guests on? <laughs> now introducing. <laughs> yeah, let's get right into it. I hear you got some news. I do indeed have some news. So, firstly, Spider-Man himself, Tom Holland, will be starring in a new feature film by the uh, the beloved Russo brothers. This film will be titled Cherry. Now, what is Cherry, you might ask? Well, I have the answer. <laughs> this is a true story of an Iraqi war veteran who comes home, and while he's home, while he gets back and tries to integrate in the civilian life. He struggles with PS, PTSD and an opioid addiction. And he funds this by robbing banks. <laughs> so, well, how do you feel about Tom Holland as a opioid addict and a bank <laughs> robber in the upcoming film Cherry? I don't know if I can buy him as the opioid, the bank robbery. That's a uh... That's one thing, but buying him as a veteran? Yeah. He's a little... He's too baby-faced to be a... Let's bulk up, grow some facial hair, or... Yeah. Or glue some on, I suppose, but... <laughs> Is this going to be a comedy? No. I don't really? think so. I think... I think it's the Russo brothers. It's, it's their first film after, you know, the whole cap their captain america work and their mm-hmm. infinity work and i think they're gonna this is just gonna be a dramatic uh, character piece about this guy and i believe it's an adaptation of i can't remember his name but a, a guy who wrote it which is loosely based on his actual life mm-hmm. so i don't see them going comedic with this at all um i was really surprised to see the whole to see Tom Holland cast in this role. Yeah. Because when I see Tom Holland, I don't think, definitely don't think Soldier, as you pointed out. And it'll be interesting to see how he is as a serious actor pulling off PTSD and and opioid. And with his voice, um, it'll be interesting to see how he robs banks. 
with his <laughs> high pitched voice. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I I asked because about the comedy because the Russo brothers are mm-hmm. mainly known for their comedy work, uh, directing on comedic television shows like Community, Arrested Development, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it looks like they're uh, they're turning a new leaf with um, going yeah. dramatic. They may go comedic with it. Who knows? But as of now, um, if it, it sounds like they're going more dramatic with it, they'll probably just throw some comedic flair in there. Um, but overall, looks like they're going with a, a dramatic biopic sort sure. of sort of film. All right, that's interesting. Could be interesting. Yeah. So uh, keep that um, keep that in the back of your brains, guys. For more news to come, we'll continue to cover that. But moving on to our next story is uh, the beloved Idris Elba will be playing Deadshot in the upcoming James Gunn Suicide Squad reboot. What do you think of this casting? Not bringing back Will Smith. Um, we have a new Deadshot, and as we'll get to after this, a whole new um, cast for this for this movie. What do you think of this casting first, though? Deadshot, is that the character that will smith played in suicide squad yeah mm-hmm. um i like idris alba i'm a big fan of idris alba from his work on shows like the wire and his tv show luther uh i just hope he doesn't play it like as if he were replacing will smith because if he if he plays it like will smith and he plays it more kind of over the top i think that would be a real bummer but if he plays it kind of like the the uh, the cool Idris Elba version of him, I think that would be interesting. I don't know. Again, it seems seems strange for James Gunn's type of directing style. Mm-hmm. I, I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I like Idris Elba as well. I think. Pretty much anything he's in, regardless of how bad it is, he's usually always a, a highlight in it, I guess you could say. Did you see the trailer for his new movie on Netflix? Uh-uh. What's he pl- that? I think he directed it. He plays a DJ on it who becomes like a nanny. That really? Yeah, it doesn't look very good. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Well, as of now, before seeing that, I trust Idris Elba. <laughs> so, and I also trust James Gunn. You know, I feel like he's probably trying to do something big, trying to do something, you know, out of nowhere, kind of like maybe to to strike the way he struck with Guardians. Sure. So he can kind of stick it to the MCU, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, but moving on with more on the Suicide Squad reboot, we have been given four more characters that will be in it. So I'm going to go through these characters. They're not, well, at least they might be well-known. I didn't really know these guys when I first heard them. But first, we have a character called Ratcatcher, who apparently in the comics, yeah, these names you're going to see aren't very good. But... Apparently, in the comics, Ratcatcher is a uh, man, and it's going to be a woman in this movie. Um, he or she is an enemy of Batman who was once an uh, exterminator for Gotham City. And 
he or she realized that crime pays way more. So, and her, her shtick is that she can communicate with rodents. Uh, she's got a little, little army of them. So she's basically the Ant-Man of the DCEU, but with rodents. Oh my gosh. Moving on. Uh, the next one is named King Shark. And what I pulled up on him is he's a humanoid shark whose father was also a shark. He was known as Shark God. <laughs> <laughs> and most treat him like a weirdo, um, which could lead to explain his uh, choice to live a life of crime. Next up, we have Polka Dot Man, who is <laughs> another villain who is an enemy of Batman, and his power is the power of turning different polka dots that appear on his body into various weapons. Oh my gosh. This um, is amazing. And he's actually embarrassed by his particular set of, of skills from turning polka dots into to weapons that appear on his body. So moving on. Wow. So the last hero we got was a hero named Peacemaker. I couldn't find much. The basic, the basic thing is, is he's a pacifist who's just willing to kill to achieve his goal of peacekeeping. And that makes him a bad guy. Hmm. So, with all of that being said, what do you think of these four new characters? Um, at first, when you started reading the first one, I was like, Ratcatcher or whatever. I was like, oh, that sounds stupid. But as you kept going and they were all more ridiculous than the one before it, you know that it's, it sounds, it sounds like it's not taking itself seriously. So mm-hmm. I think, uh, this could be either really good or really bad. Yeah. I think it'll be, I'll, I think it'll be if, if he's doing what I think he's doing and just taking like kind of. Uh, over-the-top approach to it, which the first movie... Yeah, I think he's going to take a real comic book approach to it as opposed to... The first movie took itself way too Mm -hmm. seriously. As opposed to a dark DC film that we've got in the past couple of years with DC films. So I I think it could be interesting. It sounds sounds fun. Mm -hmm. So... Moving on from that is something that you, you kind of want to talk about. And yeah. it's the new Aladdin trailer that dropped. I'm not sure when it dropped. But you sent I think this just today. Today. So, yeah, you sent yeah. this to me and said that you want to talk about it. So I watched it. And as I was watching it to start, I, I felt that it was a, it was a decent trailer. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't see anything wrong with it. And then when Will Smith came up in the genie, it was just atrocious. So, and, and not, not the whole, not like from then on it was atrocious. I feel like the moments when Will Smith wasn't in it, it was good. Or even at the end when Will Smith wasn't his blue self and it was still like a normal human. And sure. they did kind of the blue cloud animation for his genie uh-huh. effects. thought that was okay. But when he's an actual blue genie, it's awful. Um, and I'm kind of curious as to... Well, if there was a big thing you wanted to talk about with this. Well, I, I wanted to say, 
of course, we've talked about this movie several times already. Um, and each trailer has been horrible. Like the every time they show a little bit of this movie, it just looks worse and worse. And I got to say, when this trailer came out, I was expecting the worse. And I got to say, man, I liked it. You like Will Smith? This trailer. I even like Will Smith in it. Oh, really? I, I thought the, C, the CG was bad. The mm-hmm. CG of him where he exactly from the last trailer where it's like his face on a big blue cloud Mm -hmm. that looks awful but i think they did a good job in this trailer kind of showing where he arrives as the genie but then after that he pretty much goes into being will smith and i thought that this movie the the thing that this movie did or the trailer did that makes me excited in a way that the other trailers didn't is that this trailer looks like the animated movie mm-hmm. and I'm a big fan of the animated movie with the exception of Jafar Jafar kind of looks like a cool version of Jafar like the CW version of Jafar <laughs> the CW but I thought version. yeah but I thought everything else looked good man I thought it it all evoked the the original movie the music sounded good so I gotta say I was not looking forward to this movie. This trailer kind of turned me around. I'm still skeptical, but mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm way more excited now than I was. Yeah, I like I said, when you sent this to me, I thought you were wanting to trash it some trash more. Trash it some more, and, and I was watching, it and I was like, I don't have much to trash it on besides this this genie and. Even then, like I said, towards the end when it was more, he was a real character. Uh-huh. I didn't find it as bad. So maybe that's a good thing. You know, Disney has this. They have Lion King and they have Dumbo, which opens. Dumbo, yeah, man. That just snuck up on, on us. And all releasing their live-action remakes. And, you know, we're hyped for Lion King. So mm-hmm. and we're saying this is a flop and this this might this might do well. Um, I, I, don't, think, I don't think it'll touch Lion King as far yeah. as like just, how much it makes. Yeah. But, you know, you never know. We'll see. I think Dumbo is going to be the flop at this point. Oh, really? It, does, it doesn't like even. Well, it doesn't. The trailer didn't look good to me. And I'm Tim Burton, I think, recently has completely gone off the deep end. But, yeah, it's just kind of sneaking up. Like, they're not really marketing it. and doesn't. I haven't seen yeah. ads for it anywhere. Mm-hmm. But apparently it's coming out really soon. Yeah, they haven't done much for it. And that, that kind of surprised me. Because when we were, at, we were at Captain Marvel, we were in the theater, you know, watching this and then seeing the release date, how soon it was, we both looked at each other and I'm like, dang, there's been no marketing for this. Yeah. So I I don't know if that was just a mistake on their part or if that's what they wanted to do. No, if, I'm sure it was purposeful. I mean, I don't I don't see why. What would the purpose be for that? Um, it is what it is. Watch Dumbo make the most out of all three of them that are coming out. <laughs> <laughs> no way. But yeah, as as far as this Aladdin movie goes. 
um, my opinion, and it sounds like your opinion as well, is uh, maybe starting to starting to turn around a bit from from what it was. Skeptical optimism is what I'll say. Skeptical optimism sounds mm-hmm. good. Let's leave it at that. Moving on to the next story <laughs> is um, more of a business story. So, so you folks that are listening that uh, enjoy business stories, you're gonna, you're gonna love this one. The Monopoly, the whole Disney Disney thing that's going on, the Fox, the merger, the Empire, the Empire that was um, okayed or approved. It's been in the works. You know, we've been talking about it for for months. Um, probably coming up close to a year here. It finally has a closure date. So Disney has officially announced that its $71.3 billion purchase of 21st Century Fox will close on March 20th. Um, I got this um, source. The company announced this formal date to um, the Variety. And the deal, the Variety said, the deal between the two major studios is certainly a huge game changer for the entire media landscape and will officially start taking shape next Wednesday. And I just wanted to go through what all this deal is going to entail because we, we hear, you know, with, with people who are all hyped up about it, that we're going to see X-Men and, and Fantastic Four in the MCU. And we're going to see that, mm-hmm. but there's also a bunch more that is going down with this deal that not a lot of people know about. Um, so what I want to touch on, basically Walt Disney Studios is going to have control over Fox's film, their television, and cable channels. So the television studios and cable channels and, and, and film studios. And these, these include National Geographic and FX, but because Disney um, already owns ESPN, they don't get Fox's sports channels. And, of course, they are getting rights to to the X-Men, to the Fantastic Four, but they're getting rights to other major franchise, franchises such as Alien, Predator, mm. Kingsman, Die Hard, and Night of, the Muse- Night of the Museum. So they're getting a lot here, a lot more than what's been in the headlines. What did... What is your just opinion on this deal and where you think Disney's going with this and, and how they're going to start implementing the use of these things? Are they going to use everything right away? Well, how do you think they're going to do this with, with all the television channels and, and all the other franchises that they're acquiring? How do you see this, this turning out within the next couple of years? MCU Deadpool, man. MCU Ryan Reynolds. So you think that's going to be their big focus? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. I don't think he'll be part of the MCU at all. I know there's been talk about that, but I think he'll continue to be his own thing. But honestly, while I'm, I mean, I'm as excited at for Fantastic Four and for the MCU being able to finally consolidate their entire, you know, universe. I have said for the longest time that I'm not really excited for Disney to become an even bigger monopoly than it already is. There are lots of things I like about Disney. There's lots of Disney movies I'm a big fan of. A lot of their franchises I enjoy. But overall, 
the thought of one company controlling most of the media and entertainment in the world is a little frightening mm-hmm. and it doesn't inspire innovation and creativity and art and inspires money. And yeah. while in the new Star Wars movies, there are enjoyable aspects to that, to them, uh, you can see just in those films the influence of a big company coming in and turning it into a money-making machine. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily feel like I need that for all these franchises, and I don't feel like I need Disney to control my intake of movies and television. So, honestly, I'm not excited for it. Um, yeah, it'll be cool to see where the MCU goes, and that'll be interesting, and I like Kevin Feige, but on the whole... Uh, the future that we're heading towards is a is a bright and shiny and colorful but also scary future mm-hmm. yeah and I mean to add on what you were saying with with this Disney kind of basically turning into the box office giant they're going to be controlling all of the most of these, most of the money that's coming in for the mm-hmm. box office with, with big blockbuster movies that most people go see, especially up where we live, we, we were talking about how indie movies and, and smaller movies, smaller studio movies that, that get pushed, that are the good ones that are getting Oscar buzz and stuff, people don't go see those. I mean, nope. people people see blockbuster movies and it's like that with every 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 town you know there are casual people who just want to watch blockbusters that are advertised to death and you look at even this year without this deal have being made disney disney's having one of the biggest years ever you know they have the three live action remakes we were talking about with with dumbo aladdin and lion king they have mm-hmm. the three mcu movies they have two i looked this um i looked up that they have two big animated sequels coming up and they have star wars episode nine all coming out this year so they're gonna have a huge portion of the box office this year and that's only just gonna keep and keep on growing which can be a bad thing when you look at the future of of the box office and the future of cinema so things start to become homogenized and i i noticed today they came out with the poster for aladdin and it looks like every Star Wars poster and every MCU poster that always gets put out, and it's just, it's all homogenous. And they, they know what works. They have their formulas. And yeah, they make entertaining movies, um, mm-hmm. but you don't want to see the entire industry become the same same oh, wow. product churned out over and over and over again. Yeah, I just looked up this uh, this poster and there's side yeah. by side comparisons to Force Awakens posters. Yeah, they they know what they're doing and, and yep. they do what works and they use their formula. And, and they're good at it. Yeah, it's yeah, they're good at it. And I mean, for the reasons that we said, it's a good and bad thing. Um, you know, but who knows? We never know. Maybe maybe this just turns into a good thing. Maybe somehow, maybe maybe it doesn't. Maybe there's no good that comes from it. You know, we never know. 
all we know now is that this deal is closing on March 20th. Uh, on March 21st, we might get uh, an X-Men teaser for, straight, from, <laughs> straight from Marvel Studios. Who knows? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, I definitely. I would bet. I would bet all of my earnings on that. But what? That we get an X Men teaser? That we no, that we don't get one. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, there's no way that's happening. <laughs> Not on March twenty sixth. I I said twenty first. Not on the twenty first either. <laughs> the day after the deal goes through, they <laughs> drop it. As soon as they sign the papers, Feige just has a button, just presses it. <laughs> Turns turns Last Phoenix into a good movie. <laughs> and wait, so does that that doesn't change the whole Dark Phoenix? Because when is that released? Is that released before March twentieth? No, it's coming yeah, out this summer. So they still have the rights to release that, even when they don't own it. I suppose. Hmm. Interesting. No one's gonna go watch it, anyways. So. No. With that being said, let's move on to the weekend box office recaps. And it was a huge, biggest weekend of year so far. Huge, huge weekend for Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, globally, um, and it's made the second highest amount for an MCU release. It made globally $455 million, and I'll touch in domestically in a sec. Um, just secondly behind in Infinity War in its global box office return its opening weekend. I think it's the, the sixth largest opening ever I read. Yeah, it's yeah. And uh going into domestic numbers, of course number one. Actually I'm gonna go from five to one so we can talk a bit a little bit about Captain Marvel. Sure. But so number five we have Alita Battle Angel, which is in its third week. And it um, took home three point two million, not a bad showing for a fifth week or for a third week. Um, I mean, for a fifth spot. And number four, we have the Lego Movie Two, which took home three point eight million. Number three, we have Tyler Perry's The Medea Family Funeral, twelve point four million. Number two, we have How to Train Your Dragon: The Hidden World at fourteen point wow. six million. And at number one. Captain Marvel at $153 million on its opening weekend domestic. Hmm. Now, it didn't, it didn't touch the Black Panther plus 200, Black Panther Infinity War, you know, those numbers, Avengers, Aven- uh, Captain America Civil War, those opening numbers, those <laughs> were, you know, plus 200s for opening weekend. But when we talked about how we said how it was in the news I don't remember how many weeks ago, but when, when I brought up what Marvel was tracking at, we were we were shocked. Yeah. And the fact that it met it, at this point, I'm really not surprised that it did meet it because I can see the, this movie, you'll, you'll get our opinions, but this movie really is a huge blockbuster that everyone was waiting for. Um, you know, the vast majority of people watched it, went in just because they wanted an MCU movie, not specifically because it was female-led, because we haven't had our MCU, MCU movie in so long, and they just wanted to see it. And big blockbusters like this, we should have expected this to happen, um, given how good I guess. 
how good or how bad it is, you know, it, it's going to, it's going to perform. And globally is where it really, where it really performed. So enough of me blabbing on about it. What did you think about, about the amount of, the amount of dough Marvel um, brought in this weekend? <laughs> it's that MCU machine, man. It's that yeah. Disney money-making machine. Yeah. Yeah. I was a uh, skeptical, but I guess, I mean, it's been, it's been a while since we've gotten an MCU movie, and even when when we were in the theater, people were talking about that, like, "Oh, first MCU movie in mm-hmm. such and such time," and yeah. you could hear kind of hear the chatter and the excitement. So, man, yeah. I really underestimated it. And and it's fun going to movies like that when everyone's excited about a movie. I remember the best movie experience I ever had was in Force Awakens, not an empty seat, and everybody's all hyped up about it. Nobody's watching sure. the previews; they're all talking about Star Wars. And, <laughs> you know it, it wasn't that level with Captain Marvel but it was it was still there was a lot of people in the theater a lot of people talking a lot of people there was a lot of buzz um, a lot of trash <laughs> yeah <laughs> I would hate to uh, can you imagine did you ever work in a movie theater no that would be awful cleaning up after a big an opening an opening night of a big blockbuster like that the That'd trash was overflowing guys oh man it was overflowing yeah yeah when you you, you get know to how, see movies though yeah there was a there was a mountain of the in that trash bin <laughs> and when you went to the bathroom after some guy came out and put his popcorn on the top and the whole thing toppled over <laughs> oh yeah well, a lot of trash in that in that in that in those kind of movies, I wanted to bring up the point that the, the fact that Captain Marvel made a, made back its entire budget plus three million in this opening weekend wow. just domestically. It had a hundred fifty million dollar budget. It made one fifty three domestically. So it's been it's it was a pretty good weekend for 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 the Marvel Studios and, and for Disney. Pretty good month for Disney considering they're closing this whole deal as well. Anything else you'd like to add on the performance of old Captain Marvel or any of the other movies? Like, um, you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at the list right now. Green Book came in at number six, pulled in two point five. <laughs> so I mean, they're still going. Anything else you'd like to add? No, well, I think uh, we'll get deeper into discussions on our thoughts about Captain Marvel as a movie later mm-hmm. on in the in the podcast. So. You on the rig? Yes, sir. My son, get off the rig with you. Rig? Did he get off the rig? <laughs> Where is my son? Where is my son? Did he get off the rig? So, Noah, what you been watching? Thank you for asking me, sir. I have been watching, well, I have recently watched... Deepwater Horizon. Now, before you all get on my back and be like, oh, Deepwater Horizon, that came in only 2016. Have you not seen it since then? <laughs> Man, I saw this in the theaters when it came out. Quit, quit whining. I just recently bought this and when it came out on 4K. <laughs> you attacking? You going on the offense? <laughs> so you know what people are going to say. Man. Anyways, with, with that aside, I recently sat down and watched this, yeah. and being this came out in 2016, 
Yeah, it was a, it was a while ago, and and it, I remember I really enjoyed this movie in, in 2016. And and looking back, I was looking looking on my sh- on my uh, on my shelf for to to grab it, and I was like, man, you know, I remember I liked this, but I don't remember much detail of it, and you know, any nitpicks or reasons why I liked it. You know, I, I knew an overall reason, but throwing this in and watching it on the on the old 4K TV. First off, let me give you a rundown. Deepwater Horizon, made in 2016, starring Mark Wahlberg, Kurt Russell, John Malkovich, directed by Peter Berg, who has history with Mark Wahlberg. Um, he worked with Wahlberg on other films, such as Lone Survivor and Patriot's Day. Those are both great films. You guys should watch those if you haven't. Not seen um, any of them. Yeah, I've seen them. Not a one of them. Nah, man. You, you should watch them. Lone Survivor is really good. But... I digress. Moving on. The film is a true story of the 2010 BP oil rig spill or oil rig explosion, which to my knowledge, and don't quote me on this, but it is the worst ecological disaster in United States history or worst oil, oil related disaster in United States history. Um, and man, watching this again, I realized how much I really love this movie. You know, this movie does a great job at showing and portraying the actual real-life stakes of this explosion. I remember in 2010, I was just a wee lad, you know, looking, looking, (laughs) (laughs) looking at this, at this, uh, this thing that happened on the TV and you see the, the rig is, you know, in flames and, and, and all this, and you don't really think anything of it, of the severity of it. You're like, Oh no, oil, you know, it's an oil spill. On all the bad things that happen with that, but this movie hits hard and dives in, you know, deep into what what the implications of it, everything that went wrong, and how it was just a chain reaction of things. And you you really see that nobody should have survived this. And and, and when you watch this movie, you you really understand why. And quick quick um tech comment here. The uh, spectral highlights and, and the fire and the HDR, man, it's great. So aside from that, the nitpick I have with this movie is the first act felt kind of slow. Um, I didn't, I didn't absolutely hate it because it was slow because they were taking the time to set up the characters, they set up Mark Wahlberg's family in it, and it, and it really connects you with them when they're going through these bad things and and who ultimately ends up surviving and who ultimately doesn't. And you're connected with that, but it did seem to drag. However, when it, when, when, when it turns around and picks up in the second act, it hits hard the entire movie. And that's one, one other nitpick I kind of have with it is Peter Berg movies, especially with Lone Survivor hit hard and hard and deep and deep and deep until the very end. And it kind of just leaves you and you, you kind of just leave the theater um, thinking, wow, that was, that was intense for a long time. And I remember earlier when I was watching this movie, I was like, dang, that was an intense hour and a half or however long that those events were going on. And I, I understand why he did it to, you know, to cement it in our minds, but having that time to breathe in a film that's so heavy I think is key and it's there's just not much time to breathe in it 
But, you know, aside from that, those are just tiny nitpicks I have about it. With the performances, John Malkovich was an absolute jerk throughout, which means he played this um, – he so he was John Malkovich. Yeah, he was. He played himself, <laughs> and 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 a lot of guys played themselves, uh, namely Kurt Russell. But John Malkovich played played a great jerk in this. He was he was a BP executive, I guess you could say. He was higher up, and um, he was just you. You can see how there's the decisions he make and how he, the decisions he made coming from an executive perspective how they affect and they don't really understand what it is when you're at that low employee perspective and and you're on the rig every day and you understand how it works and that kind of thing. And I think that was, that, that was a relationship between John Malkovich characters and Kurt Russell's character. And when I think of Kurt Russell, I think of a kind of old scratchy voice Southern guy who's been through a lot and that's exactly who Kurt played. So I feel like he played himself in a way here. So, I mean, the chemistry between John and Kirk was, was great in that kind of executive versus field guy kind of manner and and the way that was played. And there's one scene that if you've seen the movie, you know what I mean? When everything's going awry and everything's happening, one bad thing leads to another and, there's there's no dialogue here and the way that it's performed you know exactly what they're trying to convey and you you're hit hard by it and that just shows that you know they they did a very good job building a relationship between those two characters um Wahlberg in it was what I want to point out about Wahlberg is you know he was he was kind of made out to be a uh, he's he's kind of the supervisor of all the the um working the working the lower tier guys that actually work on the rig, and they develop this relationship with those guys very well. I think you know that from the way he interacts to, with them, walking around walking around the the rig to pranks that they play on him in his office and stuff, and they really humanize him and and all all these characters which makes it hit that much harder when the, the destruction and all this bad stuff happens to him. So with all that being said, in short, this movie accomplishes more than just being, you know, an action thriller with fire, kind of like the movie Skyscraper. That's all Skyscraper is with The Rock, the new Rock movie. That's all it is. So if you want to see an action movie with no depth and fire, with go watch Skyscraper. Man, you are sh- throwing shots this this episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what's what's got in me, but it's it's not like it's not just like that. I mean, it it, it connects you to the real life real life story, and and hits you and hits you deep. So with that being said, I'm gonna give this a high four out of five or a Vincent. We happy? Yeah, we happy. Yeah. So, with that being said, Jason, what you been watching? Uh, not Deepwater Horizon because that came out in 2016. Oh, um... <laughs> <laughs> okay. I am. Uh, I'm. I'm glad you like it. 
I have no interest in watching Deepwater Horizon. Man, on so Survivor, good. Patriots Day. They all look the same to me, and they just look like and they kind of are. You know, it, it, it's kind. Of, it's definitely a Peterberg thing, and I guess if it works for you, it works for you. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But if you haven't even tried it, my man, all just, right, fair just enough. Watch it. Lend me that. Lend me that 4K. I'll lend you it. Just watch it for the spectral highlights, if nothing else. All right. Well, speaking of spectral highlights, I watched Captain America: The First Avenger on 4K HDR Blu-ray, and the 4K is terrible. And the HDR, <laughs> the HDR is terrible, but the spectral highlights were quite bright. Didn't so. it come out? Didn't it come out in like uh, two thousand nine? The movie, the movie came out in two thousand eleven. Oh, hmm. so Captain Mine America came out in two thousand sixteen. Okay, buddy, calm down. So Just the reason I watched <laughs> the reason I watched the first Avenger was because uh, after watching Captain Marvel. I kind of wanted to compare it. There are similarities in the story. There are similarities in how the film uh, is presented. They're both period pieces with a character who uh, is kind of like a lone wolf. Uh, So basically Captain America, the first Avenger. It's the first Captain America movie. It's a period piece. Like I said, it's set during World War II. Stars Chris Evans as the titular character, the first Avenger. Uh, And... I originally saw this movie in the theater and I don't think I've seen it since. And while I still wouldn't say it's on my top 10 list of MCU films, it's not quite that high. You still wouldn't give it a four out of five. I will, I will say that I enjoyed it more this time watching it than I did the first time. I appreciated it more, but that said, I, I do still have, some major problems with aspects of the movie. Um, So basically, as many of you know, probably already, the story revolves around uh, Chris Evans' Steve Rogers character, who's a weak and puny guy, gets beat up all the time, and he enters into a super soldier program because he has a lot of heart, and Stanley Tucci, in a horrible accent, horrible German accent, talks to him about how he needs to listen to his heart and be a good person. And so they give him superpowers because he's the nicest guy in the army, right? So he gets superpowers and then he becomes Captain America. But then the, the government uses him as a way to sell bonds. And he's selling bonds and then he goes over for like a USO tour type thing. I don't know if USO existed back then, but basically he's performing for the troops and he learns that his best friend Bucky is behind enemy lines along with a bunch of other soldiers. So he goes to rescue him. And then he becomes the, he becomes the famous Captain America who is a war hero. And so the film follows him uh, fighting the war against Hydra who started out as a subsect of the, the German army and started out as a science division under Hitler. Um, but they quickly become their own thing. He's fighting against Hydra. He's fighting against Red Skull. Yada, yada, yada. The Tesseract. He wins. <laughs> so, originally I didn't like the movie because it didn't Hydra, have a lot of action. Hydra, Red Skull, Tesseract. <laughs> he wins. You've seen it. I feel like I was going on way too long describing yeah, the movie. 
was made in freaking 2011. All right, buddy, calm down. (laughs) (laughs) So, the first time I saw it, I was kind of disappointed because there wasn't a lot of action in the movie. Most of the action occurs in a montage in the middle of the movie. And most of the stuff from the trailer and all the ad stuff uh, happens in this montage. And, And you'll see a shot from the trailer and it's him throwing a shield and the same length of time it's in the trailer, it's actually in the movie. So it's just little clips here and there. I liked it a lot more now because I appreciated it for what it was. I appreciated uh, for the story it was telling and the uniqueness of the story. Uh, now to, all the MCU movies are set in the same timeline and they can start to feel like they're running into each other and they have to differentiate each other by their genre. But really, I mean... When you talk about superhero movies in the MCU trying to find ways to be distinct by entering different genres, this was really the first movie to do that. This was very much a war movie, and it was set during World War II, and while it has a lot of supernatural and scientific aspects of it, the setting is great. The setting is great, Um, the, the way they tell their story and it being a war story, is all good. Now, I also love how they treat Steve Rogers in the movie, and I think it's probably between his introduction and Tony Stark's introduction in the first Iron Man, but but those are like the two best introductions and descriptions of a character out of any of the MCU movies. Steve Rogers is... A fantastic character. You know everything you need to know about him from the time that he's skinny. And then when he gets powers, well, he's just, he's the same good guy, but now he has powers. And they do a great job of establishing his character in this movie. That said, the romance in this movie is horrible. And I'm glad that the MCU movies have gotten away from feeling like they need to cram a romance into every single film. Because the last few films, they've been kind of shying away from that. But man, it is, they have no chemistry in this movie. There's no reason for it. Why does she, why does Agent Peggy Carter like him? There's no logical explanation for the reason that they like each other. And the direction itself isn't great. This is directed by Joe Johnson. He's done other films like The Rocketeer. Uh, and while the setting and the tone and everything and the story is good, the direction itself isn't that great. Um, the visuals for this, CG skinny Chris Rogers is cool. But like I said, it hasn't aged well. And it's it's a really a rather blurry movie. And the the first half of the movie is much better than the second half. So the first half them finding out Hydra, or not finding out Hydra, but him joining the war, him being a skinny character, him getting powers, him having to deal with the government, using him as a propaganda tool, all that stuff is good. When he becomes Captain America, the guy fighting Hydra, the movie kind of becomes formulaic and boring at that point. And like I said, all the action is regulated to montages. So... The establishing of his character is more entertaining than Captain America running around World War II stuff. Doing, like, riding a motorcycle as if he were 
Oh my gosh. I started saying something and I forgot the character. Steve McQueen. Riding a motorcycle as if he was Steve McQueen or something. Can't handle this live casting life. Oh. <laughs> I'm going off the cuff, man. So overall, uh, I did enjoy Captain America. It's worth revisiting. It's absolutely the worst of the three Captain America movies. But it's first half is really good. It's the well, best movie at establishing. Are my three and two on my sure. top ten. Yeah, the two so. and three are, are great movies. That's when the Russos took over. Much better direction in those films. Uh, but that being said, Captain America, I think, is solidly it's a uh, it's a it's a very high tears and rain. So the first half is much better than the second half. Ultimately, the second half and the romance plot drag the movie down. But um, Steve Rogers and Captain America are such a good character. I think in much the way that Iron Man is all about Robert Downey Jr. And he carries the film and that character of Tony Stark carries that film. That's very similar to how this movie is in that that character and that actor carry the movie beyond what it would have been without him. That plus the uniqueness of the of the setting and the time frame elevate this movie. I think beyond I, I think I'd have to go back and watch Iron Man again. I've seen Iron Man more times than I've seen Captain America the First Avenger, but I think that I prefer Captain America the First Avenger at this point more than I do the original Iron Man. We've touched on it before in our MCU list movie, but yeah, I, I have a lot of problems with that movie with it feeling like a a formulaic movie and him being the only good part of it. So with that said, I would I would probably give Captain America the first Avenger a very high like tears and rain. So is it worth thirty buck four K? No. Four K is horrible. If you're gonna get it, get it on Blu-ray. Spectral highlights are the best part, and they're blinding. But the 4K is not good. It's blurry. And the HDR, it's just brown and gray. So it's not worth it for that aspect. All right. Well, what uh, the original Captain America lacks, it makes up four times ten in two and three. So True. Heroes. Noble warrior heroes. Captain Marvel is the 21st film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The film is written by and directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck and stars Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson. Carol Danvers is the newest superhero to enter the MCU and the newest person to enter our theaters. Noah, what did you think of Captain Marvel? 
I didn't think it was as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> what a glowing endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it, it, going into it, I didn't have much expectations. Like, mm-hmm. like we talked about it, I think a lot of people went into it just hyped to see a Marvel movie. And sure. to see to see guys like Fury and and Coulson, even though we didn't get much of Coulson, but to see some familiar faces and you know, to see new ones that we know we're gonna see later on in in Carol Danvers and you know, for what it is, thinking back on it, it, it it's not a bad movie. It's I I feel like there are some good funny moments. Not everything lands and this movie was was a decent installment into the, into the MCU storyline, and but I feel like it would have been a better installment and even better standalone film had they left certain aspects of it out. And I'm not going to say what, because um, we won't talk into spoilers till later. But you know, overall, it wasn't the cultural hit that they were going for, like like a Black Panther, mm-hmm. or even I'd put Guardians in that because of its whole. Sure. Um, kind of re- resonance More with fun pop culture yeah movie so it, it didn't hit there but I, honestly i didn't go in expecting it to so i wasn't as so i think disappointed i think we reached the same spot but i think we have different outlooks on it because while you went in with very low expectations the film was better than what you feared it might be but for me I think I went in with higher expectations because I figured, oh, it's an MCU movie. They can't, I mean, they have such a great track record. They've only gotten better as they've gone. So I think for me, it was worse than I hoped it would be. I mean, but I think we've got the same opinion of it. Yeah. I mean, when I, when, before I went in, you know, just looking at stuff people were posting, try not to look at too much before, but, and throughout, it's all, throughout us talking about it for seeing it, seeing who the directors were and how they were another kind of indie pickups right. from the MCU. I, I wasn't expecting much because, you know, it's, it's hard to put that on, on, on two indie directors and put a huge blockbuster and say, here, make this a amazing cultural thing for, for women and make this a generational thing. That's a lot to put on an indie indie directors, and I think they did a good job. I, I I don't think they did bad. I don't think it's a bad movie. It's it's definitely not the worst movie MCU has made, but it it just didn't hit where I think they were intending it to hit. So let's talk about the 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 elephant in the room part of it, and that is the diversity aspect of it. This film being the first MCU film led by a female superhero and a female actress. Mm-hmm. Now we've had Black Widow and we've had Scarlet Witch in the MCU, but not in their own starring vehicles. Um, you said that you don't think the film hits as well on, from a cultural standpoint as something like Black Panther does. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely agree with you. And I think that this film, frankly, it does a bad job because it's trying so hard mm-hmm. to push that agenda 
And while I agree we need more diversity in our movies, we need more diversity in the MCU, the Black Panther made a good movie with a diverse cast. And that diverse setting and that diverse cast brought you into a whole new world that you have not seen before. Mm-hmm. This movie brings you into a tired world, but this time with a female-led, a female superhero, and it repeatedly shoves that fact down your throat over and over and over. Hey, this is a female superhero. Hey, now girls have someone to look up to. Mm-hmm. And for me, that is a huge detraction from the movie as a whole. I think our movies need to be more diverse, but you need to do a better job. This, I mean, this does not make a good case for diversity of movies. Yeah. I I agree. Just in the way her character was written in the movie, there she started out as this awesome person with all these powers and there's no real arc with her she starts out awesome and at the end she's just a little bit more awesome there's there's (laughs) no fall there's no anything the by the the way i guess you could say is what oh i was just gonna say the first act of this movie is horrible like everything up until she gets to earth is Mm -hmm. awful yeah i mean yeah, the first scene when they go on this kind of mission thing that and and then they capture her, it it's it's so it's bad. It's just bad. It, yeah. If you have to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom during this this first act, because I mean, as I was saying, she she she's awesome at the beginning. She's even more awesome at the end. There's no. There's no hero's journey. There's no fall. There's no anything. There's no adversity for her. No. And, I mean, I, people can make the case, oh, the the adversity is finding out who she really is. And No, that's not adversity. That's, no. And No, that's realization. Yeah, that's, it, it's... That, it makes, it makes her character flat, and she's just not complex at all. And it's it makes oh. it kind of, it makes her kind of boring to watch, in a way. They do a horrible because... job of in, uh, they do a horrible job of introducing her. They do a horrible job of telling you who this person is. Mm-hmm. They do a horrible job of writing her in a way understand who she is, mm-hmm. and then they do a horrible job of retconning the rest of the movie to explain to you who she is. Mm-hmm. The whole movie, the arc of the movie, is you finding out more about her that they should have told you at the beginning of the movie. The character doesn't change. Your perception of the character changes. But in that way, they it changes in a way where it's like, I know nothing about this character. Oh, there is nothing to know about this character. She's a flat, two-dimensional character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's... And I wanted to... The performances in here, like with with Bree's performance, Bree Larson, I don't think the reason that she's flat and and not complex and boring, I don't think that's on Bree. I think that's just straight no, out. It's the writing, the writing of this. Because I feel like, yeah. looking back, I think Bree did did a really good job at what she was given. I feel like 
the the chemistry between Bree and Sam Jackson's character, Nick that's Fury, the best part is the, the best part of the it's movie. The part. That's yeah. the whole reason you should go watch this movie is is to see kind of the bond made between them and 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 the shots they're taking at each other and, and the chemistry they make. And I even enjoyed the um, um, what's his name Ben Mendelsohn's character. Yeah, he was surprisingly good. I thought he was probably the best part of this movie because he looks like he's just having fun being a scroll. He's having fun in 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 that in all that uh, in all that makeup, you know. Yeah. And and that scene when they're in kind of the the um, the friend's house and and mm-hmm. they're kind of negotiating and that cat shows up and he's kind of cowarding and I, I just feel like <laughs> he had fun the whole movie. Um, we'll talk more about why he was cowarding later on, but you know, sure. I think Ben Mendelsohn was a great part of this movie. I think the chemistry between Sam Samuel Jackson and, and Brie Larson were great, um, and it was it was kind of interesting to see Samuel Jackson be kind of um, light and light and fun as opposed to his heavy serious demeanor that we've seen him in MCU movies, and then you know we can kind of put two and two together. Now, before Captain Marvel, he was a uh, he, he. He joked around with his partners and, and he had fun at his, you know, had fun at yeah. his job and all this. And now that he realizes what's out there and he's seeing all this stuff and it wears him down, so it was cool to see Sam Jackson for in a more comedic area in an MCU movie. But I feel like the performances weren't the problem here. Um, what did you think of the de-aging on Sam Jackson? I thought it looked great. Um, I thought I was it, surprised by how good it looked. It, you don't even notice it. Yeah, and we talked about this in the theater. How the de-aging on Sam looked great. You would never know that. What he's like seventy now. So is he? Holy cow! Yeah, I'm seventy. And he was skinny, and he was moving, uh-huh. and he was super young. Yeah. Yeah, he, I thought the de-aging was really good. Now, I was looking back at a few pictures because we talked about Coulson. And, and I, I thought Coulson looked horrible. Yeah, and, and, and I, didn't, I didn't really speak on it because I, I didn't really focus on him. I thought it looked fine. But looking back on pictures, he looks like plastic. It, yeah, it doesn't, he does. It doesn't look good. And you can tell all the money went in the sand. But yeah. with that being said, how do you feel? With, with seeing how good it can look, with bringing a seven-year-old down to whatever age he was in this, probably late thirties or forties around there, mm-hmm. uh, what's how much faith do you have in the Irishman and their whole DH cast? Um, you know, I think it's gonna really if they have this level of technology, which let's face it, they probably don't because I mean Disney has the money to throw around for this sort of thing. So, but if they can achieve that level, I think it's going to really come down to the acting. You don't think Netflix and has the money to do it? Netflix does not have Disney money. All right, yeah. Yeah. No, it, so, and I don't think they're going to put that much money into a one-off, whereas Disney has used this technology on Star Wars movies and multiple MCU movies. And, mm-hmm. and for the most part, it's looked great. I remember... You know, watching Rogue One and seeing the, uh, seeing, or seeing the, what was it? Leia or? Yeah, Leia and you know, watching, you know, seeing the DH, the DH, 
stuff there. They've been using it, and they used it very well again here. So, like you said, when Disney wants to make something look good, they have the money to do it. But this looks, this looks, let me be clear. This looks much better than Rogue One. Oh, really? You didn't like Rogue One? I like Rogue One, and I don't have the problem with those characters being in there that other people do, but those characters aren't really de-aged. They're more constructed from composites because those actors aren't playing those people. Like, that guy's dead. Well, yeah. Leia, Leia was not, or uh, Carrie Fisher was not playing Leia in that scene. They got a different actress to play her. Well, either way, the, in terms of technology, you know, Disney, whatever they want to do, they have the money at their fingertips to do it. And yeah, I think this is definitely the best implementation I've ever seen of de aging. Yeah. So with Sam Jackson, let me be clear, with Sam Jackson, not Coulson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which. I think kind of points to how much it would actually cost to to do it if if because Disney has pretty much endless sums amount of money when we think of it, and how they're only they they poured all their money into Sam and then we see how much how bad it looks when you cut quarter cut corners with Coulson, yeah. and they're gonna they have all those stars and the Irishman that yeah that's gonna cost a lot of money and probably won't work out. Well, let's save more talk on the Irishman yeah, for another day. Getting off on tangents what, here. <laughs> what did you think of the the comedy in Captain Marvel? I thought the comedy was good. I, I don't know if you didn't like it or what, because when we talked about there it... There were funny moments, and there were charming moments, yeah. but overall, I thought a lot of the comedy fell flat for me. I thought... Uh... I, I was going to pull up an example, but I thought I might, I probably shouldn't because it's kind of a spoiler, spoiler territory, but yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of things do fall flat, but I think a lot of things still do work. Um, but you know, comedy is one of those things where it, it works for you or it doesn't. So. Sure. I, I, in terms of the like the '90s stuff, the fact that this was set in the '90s, I didn't really have as much of a problem with it as I've seen other people have with it. Yeah, they they hit it all a lot, and the use of music isn't always great. In particular, the fight scene at the end where they're playing uh, like a Gwen Stefani song mm-hmm. that doesn't really work. But for the most part, I like the '90s stuff. I like the the, the gags they put in there yeah. and the aesthetic. But the problem I have with it, and I don't know if this was intentional, but the whole movie feels like a 90s movie or a TV show. Like the look of it, I don't know what it is if these directors just aren't comfortable with filming something with this big of a budget. But it it doesn't, the movie doesn't look good. It looks like a 90s TV show. Mm-hmm. And part of me thinks that's what they were going for but thinking that's back why i was wondering and looking looking through some things i don't i don't know i don't know and if it what's if it's what they were going for then so be it it just didn't work and if it wasn't then i don't know it just it just wasn't good yeah. so i don't know and i 
you know, I, I can't speak on '90s things as much as you can. Sure. So I, there's our clue for this episode. I, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so I mean, I didn't pick up as much of the, of, of the gags that were thrown in there. You know, I still picked up quite a few, just from sure. you know being alive in today's society and knowing what things are, but. Like you said, I part of me thinks it's it was intentional. Part of me doesn't. I do want to think it's intentional, just so it gives um, that it gives the movie um, a reason to look like that. Yeah, you know, kind of sure. kind of being in favor of the movie, and aside from trying to find a flaw, like you, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to find it. It's blatantly there. Uh, the plot, I have major problems with. Again, I like all this stuff with Brie Larson and Sam Jackson. That stuff is fun. Mm-hmm. I like when they go to the base. Uh, pretty much the stuff on Earth until you get to the big revelation. Mm-hmm. From where she lands on Earth to the big revelation, I liked all that stuff fine. Mm-hmm. The first act, I didn't like. Um, and then the ending of it kind of gets ridiculous. And we'll talk more about that in the spoilers section. But overall, <laughs> yeah, uh, overall, the plot, I don't think, works. The aspects of this movie that keep it from being as bad as it could have ended up being are really the chemistry between Brie Larson and Sam Jackson. It's a Marvel movie, so, I mean, they inject a lot of fun in there. Um. And there are comedy moments I say that will hit. I think this has the probably the worst comedy hit ratio of any MCU movie. Oh, really? Like, yeah, for me, this is like, in terms of jokes that they go for that don't land, I think this movie has more misses, more whiffs than I think any other MCU movie. Wow. Maybe, maybe not as much as, say, something like, Iron Man 2, I'd have to go back and watch it again. But yeah, just on initial impressions, it's the worst one in a while, at least. You didn't feel that way? No, Iron Man 2 just isn't funny at all. I'd have to go back and watch that movie again. I like this movie less than I liked Iron Man 2. The more I think about it, the less I like it. Yeah, yeah, I put this above Iron Man 2. Definitely. But that's, I guess I'd have to go back and watch Iron Man 2. It's not as bad as uh, The Dark World. No, How about that? It's not the worst MCU movie. No. It's been made. And it's not as bad as The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, general consensus is, you know, Dark World and Incredible Hulk are pretty much there for the worst that they've made. And it's not that bad. It's not... I think it's so. it's a lot better than both of those movies. But it's it's a movie that could have been in the middle of the road, and I'll get my review score at this point. It's a movie that could have been right in the middle of the road, but there are major problems with it that drag it beyond below that. Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, I'm not going to go as far as low as to say I don't give a D, but I'm going to give it a very low, like Tears and Rain. Very, very low, like Tears and Rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess we're going to give our score so we can get it. Spoiler territory. Yeah, we'll get into spoilers after that. But I mean, yeah, this movie, it's frustrating because I want it to be good because there's there's a lot of 
potential in this movie, but there's so many like bad things that happen. And, and I'm not going to say this is a very vague non-spoiler review, but you know, for me, I'd probably put this, I, I would go low and say it's a high. Don't give it to you. Um, wow. I would put it there. I thought you liked it more than me I, from the way we've been talking. I do. I do feel like I like it more than you. And I feel like I'm just harsher at grading than you then. If that's the case. All right. Maybe you're just sure. lenient. Okay. Okay. Well, we're close, but you, you did go a little bit below me, I guess. Because, I mean, I give Hulk and, and, and Dark World probably a low. I don't give a Dean to... Maybe even a high one. Sure. A high. He ain't going to be a rush hour three. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, maybe you're just, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're harsher grading than me. Mm -hmm. But that being said, we do want to get into some of the more spoilery aspects of the film. So if you haven't seen it and you want to, I will say this. Hold on. I I will say you. If you're wanting to see this before going to see Endgame, you don't need to. No, you don't need to. This doesn't add any context to Endgame. If you want to know who the character is look before going to see Endgame. Look her up. Just look yeah, her up. It's, it's not necessary. It'll save so. you two hours. <laughs> but if you do want to go see it and you want to avoid spoilers, then uh, go ahead and get off now. This is your last chance. Three. So until... Two. <laughs> Stop counting down. One. I'm trying to tell him goodbye. Okay. We'll, we'll see you on the next episode of the Movie Hunters Podcast. Like, subscribe on the platform of your choice. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Anchor. We're everywhere. So we'll see you next time. Three. Those. those... <laughs> Fine. Countdown. Three. Countdown. Two, so important to you. One. Why the heck is the Tesseract in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> That's why you wanted to count down. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It makes no sense. It no makes sense. no sense. And that's what I was talking about when I said this would be such a better movie, such a better standalone movie and a better installment. And if they just didn't have any connections like that in here, they didn't have the Tesseract and they didn't at the end be have have Coulson come up to Shield or come Coulson come up to Fury and Fury be like, oh man, we found one. Now we gotta find them all. And uh, it's there's so, so much cringy stuff in here. Yeah, and I remember at that moment you were laughing your butt off in the theater, and I was trying to get you to shut up. The part I was laughing at is at the very end of the movie, he's like Oh, I'm going to start the Protector Initiative. And this is not played for laughs. It's played seriously in the movie. And he looks around and he finds... Everyone looked back and is like... I couldn't help myself. It was so bad. He's looking around the office and he's like, Oh, wait, I found this picture. Oh, wait, it says... What does that say on the side of that plate? Avenger? Oh, my gosh. He has this eureka moment, and he oh, deletes the Protector oh, Initiative, and he writes Avenger instead. Oh, my God. It's like, this, that's, that was like at the end of the – I was at the end of my rope, and I couldn't hold it in anymore, and I laughed out loud. But this movie is full of moments like that. Like Noah said, the Tesseract. There's no reason for the Tesseract to be oh, in this movie. It's a MacGuffin God. that doesn't even get mentioned until they 
pick it up. It's like, oh, gotcha. You thought this thing we were talking about the whole movie and, was something else? No, it's a Tesseract! Yeah, and the, before they get there, they, start, they they call it something something different, and they're like, oh, I always referred to it as this. And the then, power source or the engine. I forget who said it, whether it was... It was, it was, it was Carol. It was Carol who called it the Tesseract. And then now everyone in the universe calls it a Tesseract that they interact with. Oh, they man. didn't call it a Tesseract until you actually see it. And then once you see it, the only thing they call it is a Tesseract. Mm-hmm. She picks it up. She was like, uh, Marvel called it. And then she lifts it in the frame, the Tesseract. <sighs> it's like, why didn't you call it the Tesseract before now? And now why won't you stop calling it the Tesseract? And it didn't even need to be in this movie. You no, didn't need the explanation it for how it got from. If they didn't have those you, connections, because that's what makes it feel forced and what makes it fall flat. They should have did something completely different. At the end of Captain America, because I was looking for this to try to see if I remembered, Howard Stark finds the Tesseract at the end of that movie. I don't need to know how it goes from Howard Stark to to Nick Fury. And we still don't know, because all we know is it passed through this lady's hands mm-hmm. in between then. There's so many moments like that in this movie where they retcon stuff, where they try to do prequel stuff, and it doesn't work. Like in the original Avengers movie, if you go and watch that, he says that they start the Avengers initiative because Thor came to Earth. And in this movie, 20 years earlier, mm-hmm. he starts it because he meets Carol Danvers, Miss Marvel. So you didn't find anybody to join your Avengers initiative. You didn't find another alien for 20 years. <laughs> was yeah, we were, talk- <laughs> we were talking. I saw the theater about this and I was like, all right. So he says this to Coulson. All right, man, we, we got to find these guys. We got to protect the world in case this stuff comes back. And they're searching for 20 years and 20 years. <laughs> and they don't this, even find anyone. No, they find it, a guy with a robot suit. And th- th- literally 20 years later, we see the hammer on the desert and Coulson just shows uh, up. He's like, hey, boss, I think I got a lead. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then Thor. So ridiculous. And, and the problem, I think that's where this movie probably has, has a lot of issues is that we're starting to see that this saga, the Infinity Wars, the Infinity Stones, the Infinity Wars saga is being... Is, it's too big. It's was, unwieldy. Yeah. started to drag on too much. I remember I was saying to you after this, th- this is a year late um, because they're starting to write inconsistencies with what they had at the beginning of their saga and yep. they need to turn to something else. So it, this movie came out a year late if they wanted to do this and be consistent and not have these um, issues because they're bad issues. And I think you pointed out the whole thing with how they got rid of shields, how they gave shield his eye patch or Fury's eye patch and how yeah. they, they wrote it as something completely different. And in this movie, and now they, they, have say, a cat. they just have a cat scratch him. <laughs> oh, and let's talk about the aspect of this where it doesn't tie in all the MCU stuff. Because if you watch this as a standalone movie, you may see that stuff and not even know what it means. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you'd be watching this by itself. Because yeah. you shouldn't. Because it's not good if you watch it that way. Mm-hmm. It's only good in the context of the larger MCU. Mm-hmm. And even in then, it's a struggle. 
It but, would be good by itself if it didn't have the Tesseract. That's what, that's what I was trying to point but, but from the standpoint of the plot itself and these characters, we didn't talk about the scroll and the review. We didn't talk about the Kree because all of that is nonsense. They just flip it. It's they they completely they they pull the rug out from under you and there's no explanation for why. You see, like, oh, you thought this was happening? Well, this was happening. And granted, in Guardians of the Galaxy, when you meet the Kree, the Kree are villains at that point. Mm-hmm. Because you have Digimon Hansu and you have the Ronin the Accuser who are both in this movie and they're on the good guy side. But you already know they turned bad. So what's the point of that? Well, you find out at the end of the movie, oh, Kree aren't good. They're bad. And the scroll are actually good. Yeah. Well, why why were the scroll acting this way this entire movie? Mm -hmm. Why were they killing people and why were why was ben mendelson acting like a mustache twirling villain yeah i wanted to ask you i I saw this thing online and it's like you know seeing this i forget who it was but someone said seeing this twist and then going back and i've seen it twice going back i I see why the why the scroll were acting this way i don't see why they were acting that way at all that doesn't make sense to me at all the way they were even knowing now that they're the good guys they were acting like terrible people. It goes back to just like when we did our Lego Two review. If you haven't seen that, sorry, it's been a, it's been like a month. <laughs> but Queen Latifah's character is 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 good. But what she's the the whole not song Queen she Latifah. was doing. Not Queen Latifah. Or not Queen Latifah. Sorry. Um. Oh, Come what's on, her bro. name? What's her name? I just forgot her name. Tiffany. Tiffany had. Come on. Yeah, it's it's forgetting. You ain't ready. Oh, stop. So, <laughs> this podcast is going off the rails. <laughs> so, so, she's a good guy. She turns out to be a good guy. But these songs and these things she does are terrible things. She's not right. a good guy. For the sake of the story, she's a good guy. But she's not a good person. Just like the scroll are not good people. For the sake of the story, they turn them good. And it, both sides are terrible people, honestly. He Ben Mendelsohn does a one eighty, and his character is actually a fun character to watch. Yeah. But he 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 acts like a mustache twirling villain at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then at the end he becomes a complete sweetheart. A sweetheart and family man that does everything for yeah. his family, and yeah, it's... he completely transforms, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. There's so many things wrong with this movie. Another thing I didn't touch on is how we talked about how the movie shoves its it's a uh, it's female protagonist down your throat and there's a montage of her like all throughout oh you want to know who this character was oh well she was a girl and she stood up a bunch oh my, yeah i know oh man that's who she was oh man she she's she's a girl and she falls down a bunch and then what? and then what? she stands up here's the thing here's the thing all you girls watching she stands up she gets knocked down a couple years later. She stands up. I hated the little girl in this movie. The little girl who's like a, basically a stand-in for, hey, look how what a good role model Captain Marvel is. This little girl likes her. Don't you like her? Mm-hmm. In the scene where she she lets the little girl pick her costume colors. Oh my gosh, you leaned over and to she's... me and said, create a character. <laughs> it's a... It's a... It's like a creative character from a video game. 
It's the exact little color thing in every single video game ever. So bad. It's terrible. And she stands there. Her her suit is a creative character. It's a video game moment. They gave. It's terrible how they revealed how Mick got his eye with a cat scratching him. What were you saying? (laughs) I was just saying the way she's standing there is like a character select screen, and the camera pulls out, and it's like, oh. Yeah, it's bad. They go through like. They go through like five different combinations. And then she's like, oh, look at your shirt. Man, I can't even. I can't even talk about this movie anymore. Here's the thing. We talked like this movie was, yeah, it's decent. Go watch it. And the non-spoiler section. (laughs) (laughs) And we get to the spoiler section and totally bash it. Here's the thing. The good stuff in the movie is good, and the, the okay stuff is okay. The interactions, like I said, between Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson, it's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. It's a Marvel movie. It does Marvel movie stuff. Mm-hmm. But the bad stuff in this movie is horrible. It's cringy. It's, it's horribly paced. It makes no sense. Yeah. It retcons. Yeah. And the, my biggest problem with this, and we can touch this back into the news and bring everything full circle is that this movie has an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) What are people thinking? Why does this movie rate it so highly? It's homogenous and it's not even good homogenous. So I can't even give it the benefit of the doubt, but it's Marvel. It's MCU. It's popular. So it's got an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. It makes no sense. And it might be because there's a female lead Correction. and there may be some of that influencing it. It's actually down to 79, but still, that's a trophy. Oh, it dropped. Yeah. Okay, well then, I'll shut my mouth. But if it mean, dropped to 79. Even still, this should not be certified fresh, which no. it is. And my biggest gripe with it is how the big climax, and this goes back to me talking about how the writing of this character, the writing of Carol Danvers, is just flat and weak. And how when she has her big moment, when she's kind of, I don't even know what it is, the AI intelligence that takes the form of your superior when you get wrapped up in these little squid arms. Yeah, the lady she knew for a couple of weeks while she was yeah in the Air Force. And she, she finally, you know, they have the flashback with her and every time of her life, how she's standing up and she takes this microchip out of her neck and... She just totally super saiyans it and becomes this insane version of herself. It's supposed to hit so hard and everyone's supposed to be like, yeah, yeah, go get it, girl power and all this. And it doesn't hit at all because the character is flat. There's no arc. She's, she, was, she was awesome. She could be taken down because of this chip in her neck. Now she took the chip out of her neck and she's great. It's... And then she starts tearing everyone up, no problem. Having fun doing it. I will say, I think this character has a lot of potential. One, Brie Mm -hmm. Larson is a good actress. Two, the action scenes in this movie were actually not bad. Yeah, I didn't mind the action scenes when she was tearing up spaceships and stuff. Oh yeah, it was kind of like a um, kind of like a cheerleader moment where you're like, "Yeah." yeah, and that's like the one time the movie gets you excited. Yeah, the one thing I will say, I'm I'm. I didn't know how I was going to feel Brie Larson as, as Captain America, but I'm 
I like her. Uh, not Captain America. It's Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. But I like her. I want to see more of her. I, I want to see her. I'll be interested to yeah. see how the Russo brothers handle the character. Yeah, I, that's that's my big thing. I was just about to say that. I, I, I want to see the Russo brothers spin on her and how they're going to handle her. I want to see her interact um, with the uh, characters we have now. Brie Larson is a good Captain Marvel. The writing sucked in this movie. And the performances were good. The performance didn't save this movie, though. And that's why it was so low, and that's why it's bad. Sure. All right, well, I feel like I keep talking about this, but I think at a certain point, we're just bashing on it. Yeah. So I say, let's wrap it up. Um, Do you have any final thoughts on Captain Marvel? No. I mean... We bashed it, so I'm gonna say, you know, one one last thing, you know, like we said, the the entire cast, you know, it's it's a Marvel movie, it's a superhero movie, the action's good, the performances, the chemistry between the characters is good. Don't take it so seriously if you want to enjoy it, you know. Just go and watch it. Be happy you're seeing a Marvel movie. And just get hyped for Endgame because, oh, can we talk about the the end credit scene? I don't want to talk about the end credit scene. I don't even care. Right. It's just a scene. They just pulled a scene directly from Endgame. Yeah. It's not even an end credit scene. Because I was going to pull this out. I hear so many people be like, oh, man, this end credit scene was amazing. It was, it's nothing. It's. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was definitely probably a highlight of the movie, but... <laughs> It tells you nothing. It's a 10-second clip from, oh, they show kind of like the scene that you see from the trailer where Chris Evans at the beginning of the movie is like uh, looking at the files, all the dead people, and they're at the Avengers place, and then she shows up, and that's it. Yeah. It doesn't tell you anything. Yeah, with that being said, all I got to say is just if you're a fan of the MCU, just go see this movie for the fun of it. You Um, don't have to. You As a fan of the MCU, you don't have to go see this movie. Yeah, you don't have to. I mean, if you have any interest in it, I don't think it would hurt to see it because it's a fun movie. It's short. I mean, it's only two hours. It's not. Yeah, it goes by quick. I'll it's give not it a, that. Yeah, it's not a two and a half, two forty-five. Um, there's there's fun stuff in the movie, yeah. but the problems with it are not outshone. So, all right, that's our review of Captain Marvel. Um, so in the coming weeks, we will, next week, we're going to do a review of the Netflix movie, Triple Frontier. And then the week after that, we'll be reviewing Jordan Peele's Us. Oh man, you, you seeing, you seeing the stuff on that right now? On Us? Yeah. What do you mean? Reviews are coming out. They did screenings. Oh, really? Yeah. People are saying it's amazing. Oh, you scared me for a second. (laughs) (laughs) No, people are saying... Like I've heard, I've heard so much as transforming the genre to the point of best ever in the genre, like wow. insane. And and I and I try not to look at that stuff, but looking like you know, getting news, being in charge of news, it's hard not to see that, and it kind of <laughs> sucks because I don't want to get my hopes up in case I don't like it, you know. Sure. But, well, we'll tell you what we think about it in two weeks, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Movie Hunters podcast. We already told you where to follow us. Until next week, come movie hunt with us.
Captain America. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, hold on, hold on. Man, this is gonna be great.